You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, all right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. All right, who broke out their winter outfit today? Yes. I was wearing my Mr. Rogers sweater earlier. So, that's good. Well, I have a a very important question. I hope you can uh, relate to this, but who is your favorite superhero? Just yell it out. Wonder Woman, Jesus. Okay. Favorite superhero, go. Bill Vecchio, there you go. That's a winner. Uh, Tom Brady, no, real superheroes. Uh, Superman, Batman. Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing about superheroes is that superheroes have super powers, right? So they can fly, they have super strength, they uh, have super speed. I love uh, at nighttime when I get to tuck my girls in bed. I've got, right now in our house, we have six girls, 11, 9, 9, 5, 5, 4. And uh, we, they like for me to tell them a story, and I, I usually just make something up, and it usually has the main character, which is them, as a princess who turns into some sort of superhero and does something fantastic, right? So they find a buried treasure, uh, they, they find somebody who's stealing the ice cream uh, out of the freezer, who's usually our neighbor across the street, Mike, and so, um, right, so it's, it's uh, or Daryl, and so uh, one of those things that uh, I like to do is just to build into them the fact that they are princesses and that they have power. And as we journey into 1 Thessalonians, I want us as a church to understand as the people of God what it means to live in power. I think just with the world the way that it is today, the culture that surrounds us, we can become very timid as believers, as Christians. But being persecuted by our culture is not an abnormality. People all over the world that profess faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are being persecuted far greater than we are. They are being put in jail, they are being beaten, and they are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want us as a church, as a people, to understand what it means to live in power. And so we're continuing to dive into this series, Unshaken. We see that Paul is writing to the church, um, the Thessalonians, and he's writing to them and he's telling them that they need to remain unmoved, unshaken in the power of the gospel. And today we're going to talk about being living bold with power. So why do we need power? Well, we are in a spiritual war. There is a warfare happening all around us that we can't see, that we often don't know about, but it, it, it infects every relationship that we're in. It infects our bodies, our minds, our souls. The devil is spoken about in Scripture as a lion that is looking for someone to devour. And here's what I've learned about lions, because I love the TV shows uh, that, talk, that show like animals of prey, right? And so they show these lions going after. Who does the lion go after? They go after the weak, the hurting, and the isolated. And so 
Paul is trying to encourage the church, us, to live in community with one another, surround one another, support one another, and live in power with the word and the spirit. And so that's what we're diving into this morning. Let me pray for us, and then we'll open up the word together. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for a letter that was written thousands of years ago from a man named Paul who experienced you in amazing ways and that through the power of your Holy Spirit pen these words and that we have been able to somehow in some way keep these words preserved for generations so that now we sit awaiting you coming back and restoring all things and as we look towards eternity we rest in knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's nothing in this entire world that can take us down because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so, God, I pray that as we enter into this, I know that the devil's going to be hard after us even now, that the devil's going to try to uh, create in us uh, angst and dissension and even distraction, Lord, and I pray against that so that we may hear your word and that we would be encouraged to live in power. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. First Thessalonians 1, if you have a Bible, grab it. If you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, that is the appropriate time to be on your phone during your service. And so grab that or look on with your neighbor. First Thessalonians 1. I'm going to start in verse 4. Paul gave his greeting to this church, told him who was writing. This was Paul and his friends writing to the church of the Thessalonians. Last week, we talked about how we are to live as a community together, giving thanks for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. And then verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction... You know what type and what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So right off the bat, I just want to address that when he says brothers in this passage, the Greek word here would also include sisters. So this isn't just Paul writing to the men of the church. He's writing to the men and women of the church. It addresses both male and female believers. And here's the first thing I want us to understand. As I'm reading this, as I'm going through this, this is what the Lord's pressing in on my heart. The first thing that we see here is that we are loved by God. We have to understand our belonging, that we are loved by God. This isn't a, a new language for the people, the church. Like, this is something that we see all throughout Scripture. John 3, 16, it's a famous verse, we put it on coffee mugs, we put it on t-shirts, uh, even in the WWF they hold up uh, signs that says John 3, 16, why? Because it is so core to our belief is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Because God did not come in the world to condemn the world, but by through him he, they may be saved. John 3.16, where else do we see this? Jeremiah, this is before Jesus even came, foreshadowing the coming Jesus. Jeremiah 31.3, God speaking, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have, look at these words, it's so beautiful. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Zephaniah 3.17, 
The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. Have you ever sat in a time of prayer and just just soaked that in that God delights in you? That I will delight. He, He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Man, we have to understand our belonging. We are loved by God. There's a phrase I've been saying a lot lately, and I know this because you all tell me I say things a lot lately, Um, but I say this. I say, you are seen, you are known, you are loved. Why Why do we say that? That's not something original to me. It's just me that I heard it somewhere and we're quoting it, right? There's nothing new under the sun. But, but you are seen, you are known. You're like, why? Because our greatest longing as people is to belong, is to be seen, is to be known, is to be loved. In fact, when we, what we see is one of the top causes of suicide in our world today, addiction in our world today, depression in our world today is this idea that we don't belong, that we are unloved, that we are unknown. And so for us as believers, if we're gonna talk about living in power, we have to first start with the fact that we know our belonging, that we are loved by God. In fact, right now, in this place, as you sit, no matter what bad things you've done before you walked in here, no matter what good things you did before you walked in here, you are equally loved by God. There's nothing bad you will ever do to make God love you less. But there's nothing good you're ever going to do to make God love you more. He loves you with a perfect, everlasting love as you sit as his child. This is our belonging. And his love is not earned or deserved. Romans 5, 8. One of my favorite verses to meditate on. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, while we were his enemy, Christ died for us. The beauty of the gospel. Here's here's the picture that I want us to have in our minds as we're going through this. is, Is a courtroom scene... You are the felon. You are the guilty party. And you're standing before the holy judge. And guess what? The glove fits. And not only that, but you were dumb enough to take a selfie doing the crime, whatever it was. So all of the evidence points at you. And the judge comes off the bench himself and takes the punishment for you. That's the picture that we have here about being loved by God. That the judge who has every right to say, you are guilty. He has every right to say, you committed the crime. But instead, he gets off the bench, comes down, and says, I'll take the punishment on myself. There is love there that we can't even wrap our minds around. That we are loved by God. And it's important for us to understand that God's love is for us. All people. It's hard to wrap our minds around, but that's what the Bible says. I mean, the angels come. We just talked about this at Christmas time. The angels come to the shepherds who were at that time weren't people of noble repute. I mean, they were people who were just kind of common folk 
kind of outcasts, kind of in, in that culture, the low of the low, yet the angels come to them to tell them that the Savior has been born. Angels come to them, and what does he say? He says, I bring you good news of great joy for just, you know, a couple people that I'd like. Good news of great joy for all people. So it doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you are young or old. It doesn't matter what your race is or your ethnicity or your background. God's love spans generations, and often it comes to those who are the least likely So if you're in here today and you're coming in here today and you're one of those people that just have it in your mind that if I walk inside of a church that it's going to burn down, if you have that mentality that you're so bad that you don't know my story, I can tell you this, I don't know your story, but God already does know your story and this is what his Bible says. It says that you are loved. And if you're coming in here today thinking that you deserve it because you're a great person, I want you to know that it's actually those in Scripture that thought they were religious enough to get his attention that he spoke against. He spoke against the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the people back in the day that were the pastors. They were the people that were standing up preaching the word. And they thought that they were just good in and of themselves. Look at all the fancy things that I've done. Look at, all, look at my resume of being a good person. And he kept saying, no, you're missing it. It's not about your morality. It's about the fact that I am going to get off the bench and come down and take your place. We don't need morality. We need a savior because we all fall short. And this is not a pity love. Being loved by God means that we belong to him. We're his children. So Paul is reminding the Thessalonians and us that we need to live bold with power when we understand our belonging. Here's the second thing. We need to understand our identity. What's the next thing that he says? Look at what it says here. Verse 4. For we know brothers and sisters loved by God. Okay, that's our belonging. We are loved by God. That he has chosen you. To understand our identity, we have to know that we are chosen by God. Now let me say this. I know that this in some circles, not all, some circles, that this is a hot topic button. What do I mean by that? Well, I think that there are a handful of people that deeply care about words like this and they research it like crazy. And one of the problems is that we live in the, in the information age where we go online and we research a couple of articles and then all of a sudden we think we're experts. I mean, COVID proved this. Right? I mean, when COVID first hit, I mean, all of a sudden someone read an article and then they were an expert on all of the things. All of a sudden we read a couple things and we think we're experts and then we debate these things as if we know the right way. And I want us to take a little bit of a step back because most people have not, have not dove deep into topics such as predestination and human responsibility. And this idea of being chosen should not cause us angst or fear or confusion. We have to know that predestination and human responsibility are pillars of truth that we see in Scripture. And they don't do this. There's a beautiful marriage between them in Scripture. This idea of being chosen is a biblical language and concept. 
Let's just look at verse 4 in the Greek. For those of you that really care about this, I want to put the whole entire verse up there in Greek, because this was the original text that this was written in. Now, it's going to be a little different because they read right to left, not left to right like we do. Um, and it's flipped on here, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all that. But here's what I want to say. This is what the exact translation is. Knowing your election, brothers and sisters, beloved by God. Where else do we see this in Scripture? Well, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Look at these verses, because they're so beautiful when we start to see and sit in the beauty of our identity. Look at these verses, Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Chosen, predestined, adopted according to his will. Look at Galatians 1, 15 and 16. He, God, set me apart before I was born, called me by his grace, and he was pleased to reveal his son to me. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus. The Spirit of God inspired authors to use this language. So my heart is for us in this room to see the beauty, the beauty in this, that we are loved by God and chosen by God. And here's the language that we use here at FMCC. And if you come to the Connect Lunch, and if you come to the membership class, you'll hear more about this. But this is the language we've, we've chosen to use, is that we are saved by faith alone through grace alone, in Christ alone. Like if we were to say, here's the foundation of our belief system, is we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Because we are loved by God, and we are chosen by God. This picture of election here, Romans 5, 8, we see the shift that we just talked about from enemies to children, is very similar to this. And all analogies break down, but I want us to understand this. That same courtroom scene that I was just talking about, um, I want us to understand there's a story about a guy named Ike Brown Sr. Ike Brown Sr., his picture's gonna come on up. Ike Brown Sr. had a son, and his son was brutally murdered. And he goes to the courtroom to, to see his son's killer walk in. His name was Tekoa Krinner. He was, his son was 21 years old. And as this young boy came into the room, the father expected every emotion that he thought he was going to feel. He wanted, he wanted to get this guy. He, he wanted to go get revenge. He was angry. He was mad. He was bitter. He just stole his son from him. And the moment that that boy walked in the room that killed his son, the moment it happened, all of those feelings of anger and malice and bitterness and revenge were gone. And an overwhelming amount of love flooded Ike Brown Sr.'s heart. So much so that in the end, Ike Brown Sr. ended up adopting his son's killer. And nobody understood it. Nobody could wrap their mind around it. Even his wife and his kids, nobody got it because they all wanted revenge. And here's what he said. He said, a lot of people still don't understand me. 
And for a while, I didn't understand me. But I realized that it wasn't me, but the God in me that was really doing something that I didn't even know was taking place. And when you look at a story like that, you go, wow, that's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. This is the gospel. Like you have to understand that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. That you and I, because of our sin, were part of the fact that his son was murdered on a cross. Like we are the guilty party here. And we have to look at that and understand that we were chosen by God in spite of you. Like, we didn't earn this. God gave us life because he loves us. And this idea of being chosen is beautiful and miraculous and something that, like, my words can't even describe. Because because he is indescribable. Because he has done something that makes no sense. In every other religion, every other religion, it's about the part that you play and how you earn your way up to the deity. Christianity is the only one where the deity came down to us and gave his life for us. This is the beauty of the gospel, the good news. So we understand our belonging, loved by God. We understand our identity, chosen by God. And then, once you repent and believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand our readiness. What is our readiness? Well, that we are equipped with the Word and the Spirit. This is our readiness. Look at verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We have to understand our readiness. You know, often we trust God for our salvation through Jesus, but then we fail to believe that we are now tools in his hands to be transformed and used by him to change the world. I mean, we are mostly an insecure people who lack confidence in what we can do for the kingdom. But that's not what Paul is trying to encourage the Thessalonians in here. He wants them to know that because of the gospel, God's power now dwells within them through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. God is patient with our insecurities. We're not alone when you sit there insecure with, with all of the things that you feel insufficient about for whatever God has called you to do. I mean, think about the stories that we know in Scripture. Moses, patriarch of our faith. I mean, God comes to him and says, hey, I need you to go free my people. What's his first response? Yeah, I'm awesome. It's about time you came to me, God. No, he debated and tried to send God away. No, 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 this, you've, you've got the wrong person. You know, I was just, I was just walking by, saw, saw, saw some bush on fire. Like, maybe it's for somebody else. Do you want me to, like, walk around and find somebody that might see this? Maybe they're missing it. Maybe their back's turned. Moses. And then his successor, Joshua. Right? What, what happens there? He, he's, they're leading into the promised land. Moses can't do it. The guy that God chose wasn't able to do it. And then God says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you do it, Joshua. He's like, whoa, hold up. I'm too young. I, I don't, I'm not the leader that Moses was. I don't have the staff. 
God says, be strong and courageous. Esther, Esther marries into being the queen of this people and all of a sudden now she has to go before the king so that she can protect the people of God. And she's like, listen, if I even try to approach the king, he's gonna kill me. I'm not allowed to just go do that. And so she calls the people to fast and pray so that she can go before him and plead for their lives. No one thought that they were equipped. No one thought that they were good enough to have these roles. And so when you sit here with your own insecurities, like, man, I don't know if I can share the gospel. I don't know if I can go bring good news to people. Like, you're sitting amongst a people and everybody around you, look to your right, look to your left, who have these same insecurities. But each and every person, if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been equipped with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Understand your readiness. Um, my cousin is a SWAT uh, team guy down in Naples, in Collier County. He's a, a Collier County sheriff, and he's on SWAT down there. And we were hanging out at his house the other day. I asked him permission to share this. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, let me show you some of my gear. And so he put his helmet on me. This thing must have weighed 40 pounds. I mean, it, he put it on my head, and I'm like, whoa, like, right, bobblehead, and it's got, like, headphones and a microphone and these night vision goggles that, like, snap down. I felt so cool. Um, and so I put this thing on, and I'm, like, looking around the room, and he's like, now watch this, and he has this, like, laser, and he's like, only these glasses can see this, and he puts it on, and the room's pitch black, and I'm like, this is amazing, and I'm, like, so excited. Two minutes, my neck started locking up. I was so tight, like all of my neck muscles were trying everything just to hold this thing on. We have to understand, like a SWAT team member does, we have to understand our equipment and we have to train with it, right? Because for me, I put this thing on, like I couldn't go into battle with this thing. I'd be like, right? Like trying to like, but he, he puts it on and he is ready for battle. Why? Because he wears that thing like two, three, four hours at a time. Like that joker's neck is like a beast, Right? Because of this. And so we have to understand that, that we have been given something, equipped with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And these weapons we need to use wisely and train diligently. Man, look at verse 5. Paul speaking again. He's talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy. And he says, because of our gospel, we came with you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. They were living out the gospel in the midst of this community when they were there through the power of the word of God and the spirit of God. Men, don't wear a mask faking what it means to be a man of God. Be a man of God. Open up your Bibles, get on your knees and pray. Your eternity hangs on the balance and everyone around you's eternity hangs on the balance of you being a man of God, not pretending to be a man of God. They didn't prove their worth of being men of God because they acted the part. They had an intimate, interactive relationship with the God of heaven. His power was in them and they were equipped with the word of God. They knew their equipment, and they trained with it diligently. They memorized it, they read it, and they fell on their knees before a holy God. Men, be that type of man. 
for your spouse, for your kids, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. Be that type of man. Women, I know you spend a ton of time trying to be a great wife, a great mom, a great homemaker, a great, have a successful career, be the perfect student. Like I know that the women in this church are hard workers and they're trying to be the best that they can be. And let me say this, that the number one tools are not the right school degree, it's not the right job title, and it's not the right essential oil for the right remedy. You need the word of God and the spirit of God and you need to be trained and equipped. That's why we're starting up this monthly women's gathering where women can come together and be equipped with the word of God and experience the spirit of God together. And that happens on the 31st. It's the last Wednesday of every month we're doing that. We have two women's Bible studies that are happening right now. One on Thursday, or Wednesday nights and one on Thursday mornings. Get plugged in. And then we have a leadership track for women that we're trying to raise up and teach and train and equip with the word of God and the spirit of God. Why? Because we are called to be men of God. We are called to be women of God. Youth, college, I want you to know that your parents' belief in God doesn't cover you. If you're a youth in here, I want you to understand that that you come to church often because your parents drive you to church. You come to church often because your friends are here but you will stand before God one day and give an account for what you believe and your answer can't believe, well, my parents said this. This needs to be an actual decision that you have made through the power of the Holy Spirit and his working in your life and in your heart to trust Jesus alone. Understand that you are not the church of tomorrow, students. You are the church of today. And there's a lost and dying world at your school and in your sports and all the things that you do. And they need Jesus. And you are the lights in the midst of that darkness. Amen? Amen. Understand our belonging. Understand our identity. Understand our readiness. And this leads to our response. To understand our mission. To share the good news of Jesus. Verse five, he says, because of our gospel. Now we have to understand that what the word gospel means is literally good news. News is meant to be shared. I know that that's super elementary, but like that's the definition of news. Something that is, is, is shared. And it's not news unless you share it. It's not nearly, merely information transfer or statistics. Like this is good news that has impacted your heart, your mind that you share with others. I mean, think about what the Bible calls every believer. We are called ambassadors, heralds, ones that are set apart for his purpose, a chosen race, and a royal priesthood. We are the people of God who are chosen to go out into the world and share his good news We have to understand our belonging, that we are loved by God. We have to understand our identity, that we are chosen by God. We have to understand our readiness, we are equipped with the word and the spirit. And we have to understand our mission, which is to share the good news of Jesus with every man, every woman, and every child. I love this quote by evangelist D.L. Moody. I'm going to invite the band to start coming on up. He says this. If I could only make people understand the real meaning of the words of the Apostle John, God is love, 
I would take that single text and go up and down the world proclaiming this glorious truth. If you can convince someone that you love him, you have won his heart. If we can convince people to believe that God loves them, we would find them crowding into the kingdom of heaven. The trouble is is that people think that God hates them, so they are constantly running from him. Our role, our job, our mission is to go out into the world and help people understand that they are loved and chosen by God, that, that they are seen, that they are known, that they are loved. Trust in Jesus. Be filled with his power and his word and his spirit and live bold sharing his good news. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you. Thank you for the time that we have to open up this word. Thank you for Paul penning these letters. Thank you for your spirit who transforms us into your likeness. God, if there's anybody here today that has not heard before that they are loved by you, that they are known by you, they are chosen, God, I pray that they would right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would surrender. That they would receive. That your Spirit would transform them only as your Spirit can do to bring them from death to life. God, just as you said in your word that you draw us near to you with this everlasting love, God, I pray that we all would be drawn closer to you. God, if there's someone here today that has been just playing the part, if, they, if they've just been walking the Christian life in morality and religion, but they've not experienced a personal, intimate, interactive relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day where they begin to pursue you in word and in power. God, if there are people here today that have not engaged with the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that your spirit would move in power in this room. Spirit, I pray that you would transform our hearts to know you more, to woo us to your throne of grace with confidence. God, and as we leave this place, I pray that that we wouldn't just leave this place thinking that that there's a laundry list of to-dos, but that we would leave this place empowered with your good news to bring life to the lifeless, hope to the hopeless, love to those who feel unloved, and that we, your church, would live on mission so that every man, woman, and child would hear, know, and see the beauty of your good news. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.